This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is bonus episode 269. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. Up on this episode, bonus episode 269, we are doing Movie Club. This is the Listener Reviews Challenge Teapots July 2020. We are continuing our jaunt through some Spanish language horror movies. And ladies and gents, would you believe that we have finally, 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 finally landed on something a bit grimy. We're going to be checking out your reviews of Who Can Kill a Child coming up after the first break. This is the penultimate of our Spanish language horror movies with next month being the final episode in this series before we pack up our bags and our troubles hopefully, jump aboard an aeroplane and dart somewhere else in the world to pick another four months of a different country's horror output. Before we get to that, as always, let's catch up. This is your second of four planned podcast episodes dropping this week from Under the Stairs. How does that actually look? Well, on Monday we dropped our first episode. Uh, Today is the bonus episode. Saturday is a listener choice bonus episode, so you need to follow our Facebook group page, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tputzcast for a poll which will drop tomorrow. That is Friday. That poll will contain three movies. You will select it. Whichever is selected will be reviewed. Simple as that. And then we will swing into Sunday, 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 where we will tackle another Arrow video assortment looking at 1977's The Car. That's right. It's about time we dealt with that motherfucker. Um, (laughs) I don't know why I got so angry there um, swing it into the Teapots Collective feed because I know you want to know about that tomorrow we drop an episode of Where to Begin with Jallo that's right finally releasing that episode on Friday we should be dropping our next instalment of Opera Omnia and then on Saturday slash possibly Sunday most likely Sunday is doing the nasty so that is you all up to date with the output from the Teapots Collective as well. Right, we're going to take a short break. You're going to hear promos for shows that I love. You're going to hear the trailer for Who Can Kill a Child when we return your reviews of that movie right after this. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try... They must be destroyed on sight! The new podcast cure-all. Sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host cure what ails you. 
Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult physician before listening. These people are on their way to a peaceful island paradise. But they are about to find out that it's a nice place to visit, but you could never live there. There is something wrong on this island. Island of the Damned. Tom, what's going on? What are those shouts? Where something strange is happening, and only they know why. You can see the innocence in their eyes. What you can't see is the evil in their hearts. Island of the Damned, where a dream vacation becomes a nightmare. Island of the Damned. And welcome back. So let's do this. Who can kill a child? Let's get to our first review. We're going to do a review from our good buddy Don Anelli. He says, welcome back to another round of stellar Euro horror in this listener challenge. And it's a first time watch for me on this effort, which turned out to be a quite enjoyable film. The opening footage of atrocities children have faced in the world throughout the various wars and disasters creates a bleak and depressing tone that feels far too real for what's to come later on against the cinematic terrors of killer kids. It threw me off slightly, especially with the couple sightseeing during the festival immediately after these harrowing visuals, but the rest of the film is a chilling tale of survival against children on the island. The attack sequences are quite brutal and somewhat terrifying in that that wild and reckless 70s anything goes style and rackets up the tension nicely as the title conundrum becomes part of the attack strategy against the confused couple leading to a lot of nice action in the second half. The tension and it builds up here is first rate and the grim twist in the finale is the perfect capper to a great time and it feels just so 70s. It's a complete gut punch that fits what's happening. I would definitely go with an incredibly strong 4 out of 5 on the Netflix scale for this one but Had the opening been taken out, it could easily be a 4.5 at this one. As for the tagline, again I'm not good with this stuff, but let's go with the first thing that popped in my head with this setup. If you thought birth was terrifying, see you next time. Stay safe. Oh no, I see what you did there. <laughs> I thought it was just if you thought birth was se- it was terrifying. See you next time, and that to me was like the greatest tagline ever. But it's if you thought birth was terrifying. Dot dot dot, which I actually really like. So there we go, Don. Out with my inability to read what you've written. Um, I really like that. Uh, he says, "See you all next time, and stay safe, everyone." Thank you very much to Don and Ellie for dropping in that review. Up next, we have a review from our good buddy, David Garrett Jr. This is an audio review, and David says... Hello, Duncan and T-Puts listeners. David Garrett Jr. here, again, for July 2020's Movie Club Challenge of Who Can Kill a Child? Now, this is a film that I had never actually heard of outside of just on podcasts, and as I'm actually looking through it, I do believe this is also on Fangoria's top 300 horror films, so I have read up a little bit about it, but I didn't really know outside of just a little bit of blurbs here and there, and I know I've heard it on podcasts before, but outside of that, I didn't know a whole lot. 
And so I was actually glad, Duncan, that you selected this as, you know, this film from Spain for this month so I could finally, you know, give it a go. And I was pretty intrigued when you said that it was kind of an interesting piece of exploitation cinema. Now, I'll admit, I at first had trouble finding a copy, but I did end up securing a pretty cheap one on eBay through, like, for a DVD, which was what I ended up watching this movie on. Now, I do find this movie to be pretty interesting that we kick off with some documentary type, type footage of like Auschwitz, uh, the war between Iran and India, and then the issues that came from that, as well as what happened you know, after the Korean War, some of the things that had happened in the Indochina War, as well as in Nigeria. And I just find it interesting that the movie has given us the stats of how many people died there during these type of things, as well as the aftermath that followed, and then breaking it down to how many of them are children that passed away. And there's also an interesting, when they're, buy, when they're two couple of Tom and Evelyn are buying film from the store in Bevinus, that... He states that children are the ones that suffer the most during war and famine. Now that stuck with me when I heard it being said there. And then it plays back in later on when we see everything that's going on on this island here. Now I also didn't realize that this was based off of a novel. It's one that I'm actually intrigued to check out now as I did read somewhere that it delves a little bit more into explaining what is happening here. I don't necessarily need an explanation because I do think that it's interesting enough that we see that it is something that can spread as they come in contact with other children, but it would be something just for my own knowledge because I'm somebody who likes to go down that rabbit hole to kind of see what the novel states it is. As I did read briefly that it's something to do with like a pollen, so it almost seems like M. Night Shyamalan might have stole this idea a little bit for the happening. Now to get back to some other things here is that I do think that the name of the movie has an interesting concept here that you know who could actually kill a child if it came down to it now there is something that is brought up in the movie as well from la dolce vita where i believe that's where they said that in that the father kills his children because he doesn't want them to experience the horrible decisions of man now it's kind of an interesting concept that if that's the actual reason that that happens in the movie there it's one that i've never seen before but i have heard the title but it's actually kind of interesting because this movie is really just that concept just flipped where the children are finally getting the revenge from the horrible decisions that man is making here. And then going from that, we have Tom for a long stretch does not share with his wife Evelyn the truth of some of the things that he has seen as he's been exploring while she has been sitting back. Before they kill any of the children, Tom has come to the decision that whatever he has to do to save himself and his wife and his unborn child, he's going to do it, which includes killing children. Now, I do think him shielding her a bit does prevent her from crossing over this line as well. And there's a moment where she turns the Jeep away from running into the children. And I think him shielding her might partially be why she's not ready to cross that line. And it's one that you can never go back on once you have. So I thought that was a little interesting thing to play with. And then there's something else here is the language barrier. This movie obviously is taking place in Spain, where Tom can speak Spanish pretty fluently or at least get by with it. Evelyn, on the other hand, only knows the most basics. What is interesting, though, is as things progress and things start to get tense, they both revert back to using English. And I can see why some of the times that they're trying to ask people things, they don't get answers because they're speaking a completely different language. Now, I've been to Europe, as I've been to Italy, as well as Spain myself, and... To be honest, all I can do is read a little bit of German. So it's an eerie feeling not being able to fully communicate, and none of the situations that I was in there was anything close to this. So I can understand at times I would kind of get into a panic when I can't ask a certain thing that if I was in a tense situation, I'm not even sure what I would do. This film does an excellent job with the atmosphere. 
I think they do a great job even in the beginning with using the soundtrack to help build that up. But when we get to this empty village on the island, I thought it was spooky. And as I was saying, the soundtrack has such great selections to help amplify that as well. To the point where this is one that I kind of want to seek out now and use while I'm writing or doing anything like that because it does work so well for me. thought the acting in this movie was pretty solid. It's really mostly a two-person cast, but I do think that the children in this are quite creepy, and that really helps to build the atmosphere as well. And then aside from that, I would just say that the effects... Being that I knew this was going to be an exploitation film, I thought they were going to be a bit more heavy, but they're actually quite subdued. I like the blood that we get is a bit bright, as I do have a soft spot for that, being that my favorite film is Dawn of the Dead. Now, it doesn't go that heavy with it, but it is very similar. Uh, many of the things that we get in this movie are done off screen, but I do think that we get enough, and the cinematography is done well also, where it helps my imagination to think the worst of things. But I do love near the end where our guy Tom is just bashing children in the head with a part of the boat, and I thought that was excellent. And I do like the idea that happens as well that the Coast Guard comes up and from their point of view, he's the aggressor here and he's the one that is the evil person. So I do like you know playing with that idea as well. Well, Duncan, I really am glad, like I said, that you selected this film. It was definitely an interesting piece of cinema that I've never seen before, and I really had a good time with it. My rating here on the T-Put scale would be a 4.5 out of 5. And then for the tagline that you would like as a bonus here, the one that I decided to come up with is, it was supposed to be a nice island vacation until our couple is faced with a horrible decision. Who could kill a child? Thank you once again, Duncan, for doing these. You always seem to pick movies that I've either never seen or I've been meaning to do a revisit of, so I'm definitely glad for that. Can't wait to see what you have in store for us next month. This is David Garrett Jr. signing off. And thanks to our good buddy David Garrett Jr. for submitting in that review. Let's go to another written review. This one comes in from our good buddy Tim Walker. He says, Hello Duncan and Teapots folk. Well, we're still in Spain, but it's a classic Spanish horror film this time. No Paul Nashi, no Jess Franco, and no Blind Dead, though there is an actor from the second Blind Dead film. Who Can Kill a Child from 1976 was directed by Narciso Ibanez Serrado, who only made one other horror film, and it's his only other theatre release movie too, The House That Screamed from 1968, originally titled La Residencia, Damn good movie and I heartily recommend. Tim, if you are interested in that one, will be covered very soon on Where to Begin with Giallo. So just keep, me, keep your eyes peeled for that one. Uh, it's both a gothic horror film and a Giallo slasher. Yep, that's why I'm picking it. Uh, and is set in a girls' school, so there's a little bit of Suspiria in there made about eight years before. Anyway, let's swing it. Well... I had a hell of a time tracking down the movie this month. After almost a month after ordering it, I finally got the mail. Now, I had seen it before, but it was like in 2007 or 2008 or something like that. I didn't want to write a review based on memories of a film I saw once over a decade ago. Fortunately, the movie came in just in time for this rewatch. How I felt about it before, well, I liked it. I didn't love it. I thought it was very atmospheric, very well acted and great cinematography and pretty brutal at times. It also came off to me as kind of preachy, especially at the beginning and some of the characters, but not only the main couple really, acted pretty stupidly. Really? You guys are going to go wander off and leave your guns available for children to take off your boats? 
Even if the kids weren't murderers, that's pretty irresponsible and stupid. Also, what if their guns were needed in the town? Again, even without murderous kids, it's a stupid thing to do. It took me out of the movie a bit, and that's not a good thing to happen late in a film. So, I had mixed feelings the first time. I liked it overall, but I was also surprised with the people heavily praising who can kill a child. The Nashi cast, for example, absolutely loved this film and constantly sang its praises. Yes, there's a whole podcast dedicated specifically to Paul Nashi and other Spanish horror. Pretty good show, by the way. How did this movie fare in this rewatch? I did have enough hope to track down a Blu-ray and add to my collection, right? Well, I'm still a little torn about the movie, but I'm much more positive this time. I still have some of those gripes and maybe nitpicks might be a better phrase, but I was able to set them aside a bit more easily this time. I got more into the whole atmosphere and intensity of the film this time out. The high definition of the Blu-ray that Mondo Macabro put out definitely helped. It looked beautiful. In fact, it underscored even more how unusual the film is. Most of the scenes are during the day and not just that, but intensely bright days. It almost makes you feel like you need sunglasses to watch the movie. There aren't very many horror films that have that much brightness, although Midsummer is a great example. Neither movie is very festive to watch in the summer, of course, given their brutal subject matter, but they are summer horror films. You don't have to just watch Jaws this time of year to get in the spirit of the season, right? As for the preachiness and the use of the newsreel footage in the beginning and frankly what the whole movie is about allegory-wise, well it didn't bother me this time. Frankly, adults do abuse children in one way or another way too much. The focus here was on wars, famines and holocausts. Anyone who knows about examples like the Catholic Church child abuse scandal and Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell and their crimes don't need much of a reminder that children's lives are frequently ruined by adults. Of course, that doesn't mean all adults. As far as I can tell, none of the characters in this movie were particularly harsh to children. It was indiscriminate. They were going after all adults as collective punishment or revenge. Well, how much did the movie improve as far as a rating is concerned? After my first watch years ago, I would have given it a 3 out of 5. Now, I'd say I'd bump it out to a 4 stars for now. It could go up again with future watches, but I'd say for now I really like this one. More people need to see it. I wish it wasn't so damn hard to track down on a streaming service. I hope Mondo Macabro gets some kind of deal with Amazon or something like Arrow Video seems to. A lot of their stuff is on Amazon Prime and it's a nice high def versions Arrow put out. Anyway, I need to make my attempt at a tagline. I was going to go for the controversial or the potential shop value in this one. Imagine a grindhouse movie voiceover guy like the voice over the last house in the left trailer or something. Or maybe... For a classier tagline reader, imagine Edward Van Sloan introducing the original Frankenstein. Warning, the following motion picture will shock most audiences. If you are courageous enough to witness this controversial and brave film in its entirety, don't say we didn't warn you about who can kill a child. Well, I hope that's sufficient. It's not really a feel-good movie, of course. I'm glad I was finally able to write this review. I really thought I was going to have to pass this month or maybe go on my memories seeing it from over 10 years ago. 
Also, my, my streak of positive reviews continues. Who would have thunk it? It could be a record for me. Everyone stay safe and cool in this summer heat. And if you see a group of smiling children gathering together to block your path, you might want to run for it. Take care, Duncan, and teapots, people. Tim, thank you very much for that review, Tim. Also, glad that you managed to get that blurry. There's nothing worse than being in a position where you're like, I really need to see this movie. I really, what do you mean you've dispatched it? Where is it? Where is it? And it's still not arrived. And then I, I like to think your postman and you were kind of like doing that scene from Indiana Jones where at the last minute reached through and grabbed your hat before the door came down. That's just how I pictured it in my mind. But that's a story for another time. Anyway, without getting sidetracked too much here, the next review is an audio review. A first-time audio submission from our good friend and long-time listener, Kate Pollock. Now, Kate... Kate, I, I, I love Kate to bits. She's brilliant. But she is far too harsh a critic on herself. Now, this is coming from a guy that is a podcaster. hates the sound of his voice and hates editing because he hates the sound of his voice. But Kate has decided to, rather than send in a magnum opus that I would have to read because she knows I do have difficulty reading names and God knows English, um, she's decided to record her thoughts and musings on said film down in an audio track, which she is concerned is too long. Now, granted, it is about 17 minutes in length, but I would say this, having listened to I didn't feel that it felt 17 minutes, and I hope you guys don't as well. Show Kate some love and give her the encouragement that she needs to do more audio reviews and maybe start that podcast that I keep telling you to get your finger out and start. Here are Kate's thoughts. Hi Duncan and Movie Club, um, it's Kate Pollock here, hope everybody is doing well. Um, so this is my review of Who Can Kill a Child. Um, uh, full disclosure, I actually wasn't sure if I was going to get this review in, um, I didn't think I was going to due to time restraints, um, got, had a lot going on, but um, I did manage to find some time, um, even if I couldn't find um, a version of this film with subtitles. Um, and I don't speak Spanish. So that was fun um, to kind of plough through it a little bit. But luckily for me, Evelyn, one of the characters, also doesn't speak Spanish. And so her husband, Tom, not only was translating for her, but also ended up translating for me. So that was good. Um, so, yes, yeah, so if there's any inaccuracies in this, if I've assumed anything that's wrong, just put it down to my lack of bilinguistics as opposed to anything stupid. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I think... I think it would be very difficult to talk about this movie without first off talking about the opening sequence. Um, it's uh, very harrowing. It's basically seven and a half minutes of war footage. Um, it's real war footage and it focuses heavily on the suffering of children. Um, it sort of reinforces this point that is frequent throughout the film about how um, children are the ones who suffer most at the hands of adult violence war and the decisions that adults make um that are obviously out of children's hands but they're the ones who end up being the the most victimized um what this sequence does um is i think it evokes a sense of protection um and empathy for children so when later on we we come to the children who are killing everybody um, at least in me, it, it created a conflict. Um, yes, these children are killers, but also they are still children, um, you know, and they should be protected and, and not killed, really. Um, but obviously, you know, the scenario that you're in, you kind of also find yourself like wanting them to, you want Tom to kind of, yeah, no, 
you need to kill these kids. So there's a kind of confliction there, which I think is very interesting. However, I don't know if we needed the full seven and a half minutes of these sequences to kind of reinforce this point or create that empathy um, and all that confliction. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure it was entirely needed, especially because, as I said, there's, there's plenty throughout the film to reinforce these points. Um, another point, another sort of aspect, sorry, that I, I wasn't overly keen on is the character of Evelyn. Um, I found her really annoying. Um, she just whines and whines and whines. And I get she's pregnant and it's hot and she's tired. But if you have been pregnant twice before, you will know if you can handle heat during pregnancy. And if you can't, maybe don't go to the Mediterranean. Maybe don't do that. Um, so I didn't really have a great deal of sympathy for her. Um, not that Tom is much better. Um, I found him to be quite pompous. Um, I found him to be quite condescending towards Evelyn. Um, and I think, like, I think he'd been to, to the island um, of Almanthora before. Um, and therefore he kind of has this kind of arrogance in that he thinks he knows everything. Um, when actually it's kind of ironic because it's this decision that he's made to go there, um, sort of overruling um, Evelyn's sort of want to stay on the mainland um, and... And, and enjoy the time there in Benavi, um that ends up leading to their their demise ultimately so um it's kind of like a nice bit of irony there um but ultimately i do think he he's a bit condescending um and there are times where he kind of emits information to her he doesn't let her in on things that are being said in spanish um and he also doesn't seem to really kind of tell her the full seriousness of the situation they're they're in like that the, the children are killing all the adults um, and as a result this sort of lack of understanding on her part um, does lead her to sort of say and do really stupid things which again I just found very annoying um, even though it wasn't really her fault although you could argue that you could just put that together yourself but you know um, so, so yeah but I do I do think that the characters work very well together even though they're flawed I think actually they they are very interesting to watch on, on screen. And I think that the actors do a really great job of portraying them. Um, on that note, I think actually all the actors in this film are really, really great. Um, I can't think of a, of a bad performance, even if, like, as I say, the characters aren't all that likeable. Um, so on, on to the themes. As I said before, it's all about, you know, children um, suffering and and children coming into contact with violence when they should be protected and these kinds of things um there's lots of little kind of examples of this you've got the children running in the streets like brandishing toy swords and hitting pinatas you've got these like fireworks that explode and they sound like bombs and, and gunfire going off um you know things like that um but you also have sort of like bigger moments um there's this there's this example where um you have this this body sort of being washed up um, on shore um, and there's lacerations all over the throat and face. Um, and we, you know, we obviously realise as it goes on that this person will have been killed by the children on the island. Um, but it's ironic then that the, the body is discovered by a toddler who's been left unattended to play in the sea. Um, and so once again, it's just this, this, the director playing with the idea that children are not protected from the cruelties of the world, despite being surrounded by adults who are supposed to shield them from these things. Um, and then a moment later, you've got the body um, being carried through the beach, um, onlookers all around. And it's, again, it's, it's children children um, at the forefront of the crowds um, but what I quite like about this scene aside from the the commentary which I think is very clever here um, but I think also the scene is great for building up tension um, 
you know for what is yet to come and, and it creates this kind of intrigue as to what's happened to this woman how she's got there and those kinds of things uh so yeah and actually i think you know um tension building is is done really well in this film um obviously you know you're, you're thrown in a bit at the deep end but after that um you know at the beginning but after that the first half of the movie is pretty relaxed um as we follow this couple on their holiday they're just sort of perusing the busy streets of Benavie. um but obviously you know you do have these hints to violence and war um which does kind of create apprehension as a viewer um there's also an article um in the paper with a headline of um and i translated this because i wanted to know what it said um i went on google translate for it and it says two corpses appear on the coast which is is obviously is very sinister but also it's kind of it's almost a foreshadowing of what happens to them so you know it's um there's all of these despite you've got everything being very cheery outside you've got these kind of underlying more sinister tones so um and that only amps up as they arrive on the island of Almandora um you know and I think this has done really well because there's such a contrast between these two locations you've got Benavie which is very vibrant there's loads of noise and people running around it's rampant with tourists um and filled with like color um whereas you know Almanthora is just is is very just completely devoid of vibrancy everything is white or beige um and aside from the few children that they meet at first at the docks um it's almost deserted um and what really kind of emphasizes this is this just complete silence there's like not hardly any score in this movie um and all that does is what that does is is just sort of evokes this kind of sinister um sort of feeling i guess for lack of a better term um and it just it just sort of really emphasizes the isolation and desertion of the island and of our protagonists um as well as sort of creating this this suspense um so yeah it's just i think tension is is built really really well um and as soon as they as soon as they arrive and you kind of feel like something's going wrong i'm just like get get out of there <laughs> um so moving on to the children um who inhabit the island um i just found them to be so creepy like the, i found them to be kind of animalistic um the way that they move all together um you know in, in sync and and seemingly without communication um it, it's kind of like a pack like wolves or something um one actually you know what actually it reminds me it's because they there's this giggle that they do they, they have this kind of gleeful giggle as they approach and circle like well their prey i guess um it kind of reminds me of hyenas um but then as well like later on actually there's there's a scene with a woman and you know they um they they kind of surround her she's on the shore and there's these cliffs all around and they creep into view behind her as the camera sort of pans to show them and again it's all very quiet and unsettling and the woman at first doesn't doesn't see them she's completely oblivious um and it just it really kind of evoked Hitchcock's The Birds for me um which I thought was really interesting and very cool um and you know in this scenario like we don't see what happens to her but like we I mean we know she won't survive and like the rest is left to our imaginations which again I think is really kind of effective um you know and and the children though as well there's often the cases where like there's 
a lot of st- there's still a lot of innocence to them the way that they run around when they're on their own or in smaller groups um there's a scene where this little girl is crying um the way that they play in the water it just it reminds us of how young they really are despite the awful things that they do um and i think that just to pokes us really well with like the sinister actions i think this is displayed really well in this scene where there's a woman that they've killed um they've stripped her off to her undergarments her breast is exposed and there's these boys and they're kind of they're kind of playing with the body um, and they're, they're displaying this kind of curiosity that young boys do when it comes to nudity. You know, it's all giggles and tee-hee and, you know, the sense of being naughty, you know. But ultimately, that is a dead body that they're playing with and just their frivolity just juxtaposes really well with their actions and it just it just obviously it hints to something so, so dark um, and taboo. So, um, you know, I think it was it, that as uneasy as it is to watch that scene I think it is it's a really really great scene um what did surprise me about this movie especially for sort of 70s European horror is that actually there's not a lot of gore but I don't think it's needed um I think that the implications of what's happening and and the fact that you have not only you have children killing people but you have people killing children um I think that's enough you don't need to have tons and tons of gore with it as well and when there is there is there is gore i think it's done really effectively um there's a scene where tom just shoots down a crowd of children and you see the exit wounds and the the children that survive are all really shocked by this and again it's just this reminder of how young they are um the first child kill is um again tom and he shoots a little boy as he's trying to climb through the window in the head um and although the the the, the blood is kind of bright red and, and things and it's not overly realistic it's still quite shocking because obviously you have a child who's just been shot in the head by our heroes you know so to speak but there's the brightness of the red just as it pours down the walls these bright white walls it just has this really kind of stark contrast which i really liked um and then shortly after that we have this we have this bit where somehow um evelyn's baby and i think through this transmission of touch by this child earlier who was sort of stroking her belly um, has sort of turned into this killer as well and he kills her from inside the womb and it's such a cool concept it's very disturbing and you know her facial expressions of Evelyn like you know she's you see the pain that she's in Um, and again it's not a lot of gore you see some blood trickling down her legs and that's kind of it it's what's insinuated that makes it so horrifying and I just think that less is more with this movie it's just done so very well um there's a lot of emotion aside from like you know the child killings and stuff there's a scene where which I found just really heartbreaking where uh, there's this man that our main character is sort of allied with I think um and I think it's his daughter I'm pretty sure she calls him puppy um his daughter comes and she's crying and she seems to be a apologizing or i don't i don't i'll probably find out listening to other people's reviews um or if i ever watch it with subtitles um but yeah and and it's just despite everything she's just a little girl crying to her dad and there's just something really raw about it um and it really just got me you know <laughs> like it's just this desperate father who doesn't know what's happening and his crying daughter and then like she leads him away and you know that it's not going to end well and it doesn't and it's you know these tears are more than likely just crocodile tears but there's part of me that as well that wonders whether he knew that that was his fate 
and it's one that he's accepted just in light of the fact that he he, he has nothing left and he just wants to go with his daughter even if it means that it means his death um which i just find so heartbreakingly poignant and it's just this moment in the film where everything is kind of crazy and it all kind of slows down and and then everything just goes crazy again but yeah I just thought it was worth mentioning just because it, it kind of got me <laughs> um and then I guess like just sort of talk about the ending the you know we have a very kind of night of the living dead type ending where the police arrive and like woohoo the police they're here they're gonna save the day and and no they just assume that Tom is is killing these kids and attacking them for like no reason and they just bam shoot them dead um and although it's understandable, um, it's very still tragic. Um, and especially when you think that because him, both him and Evelyn are now dead, that it actually leaves the, their children, their, the children they've already had, um, as orphans. And again, this is this idea of children suffering from the violence of adults. Um, it's like kind of ironic that ch- the children kill the policeman with his own gun. Um, <laughs> And they they then have a little bit of dialogue. And I looked this up because it seemed to be, I don't know, it seemed to be something that I would want to know. And it was. Um, and one child, I think, I, I found out, asks this other one. They're, they're on the boat and they're going back to the mainland. And I think they're talking about turning the children, uh, all the other children, like everyone else, um, sort of into whatever it is that they are, this sort of mutation, evolved kind of thing where they've evolved so that, it's kind of we're going to kill you before you kill us you know so much has happened to children as a result of adults um violence that it's kind of turning it around on them which i think again is a very kind of cool um sort of take um but yeah so one child says to another says do you think the other children will start playing the way we do and then the other one turns around and goes oh yes there are lots of children in the world lots of them and or if that just doesn't make you shudder um so one as well one one other point i want to make is that um you know as i've mentioned this film is really great at creating tension and provides so many shocking moments and it's mainly set during the day um and as we know this is rare for horror uh, uh, an obvious more recent example of this um being done well is midsummer um and you could certainly argue that there are elements of folk horror in this in this movie um in in um who could kill a child um you know you've got outsiders coming into you know this remote place um being hunted sort of by local and ultimately meeting their deaths through their own sort of arrogance um and ignoring the better judgments and indication that that something is wrong so yeah there's i feel like there's something kind of folk horror about this um that i really liked and the fact that it's set in the day sort of further emphasizes that i think um overall i think this film was really really interesting i think it dealt with a lot of hard subject matter and i think it dealt with it well there were some aspects that i that i weren't like sorry some aspects that i wasn't keen on um, so I can't say that I loved it, but I really appreciated what it was doing and I thought it had plenty going for it. So my score is uh, for Who Could Kill a Child is four out of five. And, you know, if I ever find a subtitle version, that may go up. But yeah, that's where it is at the moment. And my tagline for the movie is uh, the kids are not all right. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, as always, thank you so much to Duncan and Movie Club listeners. Um, I'm again as always really excited to hear what other people have to say especially those who are privy to the spanish um let's i'm 
you know, let me see if there's if there was something in there that completely blows all my theories and exposes me for the fraud that I am. <laughs> I know nothing. <laughs> um, but no, it's, it's, it's always really great to hear other people's reviews. And I am sure that this month will be no different. Um, so yeah, so take it steady, everybody and keep safe and see you next time. Bye. And thank you very much to Kate. There we go. Another four out of five. I'm starting to see a theme. Do you see a theme in the scores? Uh, they're all about the same. And that's because we are all synced up. Our menstruation cycles are all synced, is what I'm realising very quickly when it comes to Spanish language horror movie club. Thank you very much to Kate for sending that in. Isn't Kate nice? Oh, It's always great to hear because I, truth be told, I know that you've done an episode of Podcast on Haunted Hill, but I've yet to listen to it. Uh, I don't listen to many horror podcasts these days, mostly because I don't have time to. Plus, I tend to find that if I listen to horror podcasts and they review a film, their reviews accidentally seep into the way I speak about movies because I'm like that. I'm like a sponge when it comes to vocabulary. So I don't listen to much. But uh, yeah, it's great to finally put a voice to the face. So yeah, sure, some love. And uh, I look forward to hearing your thoughts and musings on future picks as we continue down this journey of movie club action. Now, almost trading places here, um, we would tend to have a written review from Kate and we would have an audio review from our good buddy Rafael Fernandez, who sadly has been not having the best of times. Uh, so he did send me in a little email apologising, but Raphael, you never need to apologise for absolutely anything you do. Um, the fact that you even sent me an email with some thoughts in it has made my day. So uh, let's get to your email, short and sweet, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Raphael says, Sorry Duncan, I'm not satisfied with my effort for this month's movie club. And that's saying something. Maybe there was just too much to dissect, but I just can't organise my thoughts well enough with the deadline looming. Next month, I will get back on track. It was a fine movie one of the best killer kid movies ever made and it puts children of the corn to shame. I would give it a solid four. I'm certain everyone else will turn in some fine reviews and I look forward to hearing their thoughts. Raphael, thank you very much for sending that in. Raphael, as always, great to hear that you are doing well out there. Uh, don't be too harsh on yourself. Everyone is their own worst critic. That is what you will learn um, the longer we are on this planet. That's just it's a fact of life and it's always great to hear from you i hope everything is well where you are in the world that brings us to our last final review on this episode it would not be ladies and gents a movie club without closing out on a little review from lee russell from the must be destroyed on site podcast lee says hello duncan hello movie club lee here and we're looking at who could kill a child and from 1976 this is, well, I'm going to count this as a first-time watch. It's technically not. I saw this as a kid, way too young. Uh, shitty VHS, I believe it was. It was either, like, an, an actual rental or a dubbing off a of TV or another rental. Something along those lines. Really shitty version. Some imagery from it stuck with me, but I was too young to really appreciate the film. I always wanted to get back around to it, so I'm glad we uh, have it here on the Movie Club. So again, thank you, Movie Club, for um, giving me the excuse to get around to watching this, you know? Um, I love killer kids' flicks uh, when they're done serious, like this is. Um, like, a recent one I would cite would be uh, The Children from, I think, 2008-ish? 
I think, if I'm not mistaken, sometime back in the 2000s. Um, this is a lot like that. I think movies that sort of go into this sort of subgenre of horror, um, I like them because they're pushing on taboos. They're pushing on the taboo of killing children. Because the response to killer kids coming after you with weapons is that you're probably going to have to kill them, right? And much like slasher films where it puts you somewhat in the place of the slasher villain, especially POV shots of slasher villains killing people, it makes you sort of complicit with the murderer, and then the movie asks you, how do you feel about that? Uh, I think this film does a good job of that. Uh, Similar films in this genre do a good job of that. And I think that's a taboo that needs to be pushed once in a while. I think horror needs to push boundaries like this. And um, when they make a good movie out of it, it's even better. Uh, This is a flawed masterpiece. Unlike some Italian horror pictures of the time, this Spanish production is really dedicated to creating a mood of unease and mounting suspense. It's not concerned with um, shocking gore and a lot of stupid twists and just things that didn't make sense. And I really appreciate that. It's, it's, it's much more minimalistic. It's not rough around the edges. Uh, it just works. Um, probably the one big thing in this film that bothered me was how the film kind of pushes you towards the idea that the kids are sort of rebelling as almost like they're connected to Mother Nature, and Mother Nature is forcing them to become murderous as a response to uh, war. And I think that's kind of weird. It it just feels like kind of like hippy-dippy 70s crap that works better when it's you know, animals instead of children. Like, if you, if you look at, like, The Long Weekend or Day of the Animals, where it's like, oh, nature's fighting back. Okay, that's that's come almost a... Uh, it's a naturalistic force, but it can almost be a supernatural force. And I think it just makes more sense, and it just works better when it's this sort of unseen force. But when it's, like, kids... Uh... How the best can I explain this? It just doesn't seem to make sense if it's not like a disease that's changed their minds or something like that. Just the idea that kids are suddenly getting together and and killing adults doesn't really jive. Like, the the suspension of disbelief is much greater. Especially when it comes to, like, the baby, the unborn baby killing the mother. That's just dumb. I'm sorry. It it, it doesn't work. That almost took me out of the film for a little while. Um, But luckily, the movie is good enough that it get back on track by the end. Um, I believe it runs a bit too long, but I did appreciate that it really did take its time to give you a sense of who our leads were. Uh, gives you a sense of the geography of the Spanish locations. Um, going back to that uh, pushing the narrative thing of, uh, oh, this is some sort of like natural response within the children uh, against war atrocities that have happened over the years. Um, that documentary-style opening stuff seems geared in that direction, but there might be a deeper read in this, too. Uh, and I don't know... I, I'd have to think on this a lot, but there might be a deeper read here where it's actually not doing that. It's actually more of a response to uh, Western colonialism, uh, imperialism, or at least the ghost of it, 
you know, being responsible for a lot of causes of, you know, strife and war in the modern era, whether, you know, it's actually uh, Western civilizations uh, encroaching in, you know, third world countries or just, you know, foreign countries and, and trying to take over the government, or if it's, you know, they've left, but now the sort of stain of what they have, uh, the, the state they've left those countries in, um, it might be some sort of response to that, too. Uh, I, I was just getting that idea when I was watching these two lily-white British people sort of gallivanting around Spain without a care in the world. I don't know. Uh, I could be totally off-base there. Um, anyway, this is a pretty great film. It's a little flawed, but um, it works really well as a horror film. Even with the unborn baby bullshit, it's still really well done. And yeah, I'm going to give this 4.5 out of 5 on the old Netflix scale. And uh, cheers, guys. I look forward to seeing what everyone else thinks of this one. Uh, sorry if there's excess background noise on this. Um, I didn't really have time to pick some music to try to hide that. And I got two fans running, and it's super fucking hot, and I got the window open. There's early morning traffic. What can you do? Cheers, guys. Have a good one. Bye-bye. And thanks very much to Lee Russell for sending in that review. So I think it's unanimous to say we liked this movie. Um, we liked it quite a bit, which makes me happy. This is a, a particular favourite of mine, although... Like I said before, with its grim subject matter, it's difficult to say that you really like this movie uh, rather than see it's a it's a it's a really interesting experience. <laughs> uh, thanks to everyone who submitted in movie club reviews. We've only got one Spanish language horror movie left to go. That is right, and then we will be done with this part of the world and moving on up. And I will see no more. Right. We're going to take our final break. When we come back, we're closing out the show right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been bonus episode 269, a little bit of movie club action for you with the listener reviews of Who Can Kill a Child. Thank you very much to all my listeners who submitted in reviews for Movie Club. Without you guys doing it, this segment would not exist. You will find out what your next and final Spanish language horror movie is next Thursday. But uh, that is a story for a different time. There is a multitude of ways to check out this show. But if you're listening to me right now, hit subscribe on that feed. And that way you'll never miss anything from under the stairs. Subscribe to the Tea Putts Collective. Because when you do that, you don't miss anything from there either. Which is kind of cool. Uh, and you don't want to miss anything from there. Because that's additional content. And it's all free. Couldn't be any easier. Visit the website. It's teaputtscast.com. You can buy merch to support the show by going to teaputtscast.bigcartel.com. Visit us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash teaputtscast or alternatively check out the Teaputts Collective page on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash teaputtscast. You can reach out and touch myself and the Baz on the twin prongs of social media sexness. Instagram and Twitter both can be followed at teaputtscast. 
podcast. And while you're at it, check us out on the Flick Chat app, free and available for Android and iOS users, and our join code is TPUTSCAST over there as well. The podcast under the stairs will return on Saturday. We're doing a listener choice episode, which means you need to be on the Facebook group page tomorrow, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash TPUTSCAST. I will put up three movies, whichever is selected unanimously in the poll as the winner will be covered on the episode nice and easy but until then wherever you are what the time zone is and what you're up to in this big bad world of ours please take care of yourselves out there this is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs and I am signing off